1: Adidas. Okay. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, from Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Oh, that's awesome. The fans make it part of it, too. But Michael Buffer's pretty good as well. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with you. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open for takeout delivery through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Altoff will take care of you at Roos Chris. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. I know that uh, Taylor Medic, who uh, many years ago uh, worked on the other station with me. Uh, we did a little podcast together. I know Brendan tweeted it out earlier today, so you might want to check that out. It's... Uh, Sort of in the uh, developmental stages of uh, guys' uh, broadcasting careers and uh, media careers. So eh, some of you might find it interesting, others might not. Yes, uh, let's get ready to rubble. We're going to head off to the River Curry Resort Casino Hotline. Some of you like him, many of you hate him. Uh, we're pleased to be welcomed uh, back in the line. No, I'm not talking about David Staples, because Specs not quite as political as David. And actually, I think Speck's, uh he leans considerably far to the left. Uh whereas uh many would suggest Mr. Staples leans considerably far to the right. Mark wouldn't say he leans considerably far to the left. I put words in his mouth. Uh Mark Spector for the horses at Horse Racing Alberta. The horses remain in training, they continue receiving the utmost in care. Stay safe and we'll see you at the races when it's safe to do so. Mark, how you doing? Bobby, what side are they keeping the beer on? Because that's the side I lean towards. Yeah, I was going to say, I I bumped into somebody today, uh, one of your compatriots, who uh, at times shares a similar philosophical view of you, though he works for uh, uh, an opposite network. And uh, they were fixing the elevator, doing a great job, those guys over there at the building. And he said, what happens if we uh, get stuck in this uh, elevator for six hours? I go, only one of us is getting out. Uh, But I'd actually, at, at my age now, Mark, I prefer to just drink. Uh, So on on that note, uh, hey, look, uh, Zach Cassian today at practice. The Oilers only had 12 forwards on the ice. Um, You've watched the first couple days of playoffs. There have been some physical series. No country for old men hockey. Boston and Washington have been going at it. Florida and Tampa have been going at it. Your thoughts on maybe Cassian coming back maybe a little bit sooner than some people thought?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, on the people thought part, we just don't know. Like you got to give you know the media a, a bit of a mulligan this season. We're not around the team. We're not down in the room. You don't know how these guys are when they're ready, when they're not. So I just trust in the the orders aren't sending players out there who aren't ready to play. So he's back. Whether it's sooner than we thought or not, I I don't have a hot clue on that one. But look at everybody has seen Zach Cassian at his best. We just haven't seen him at his best in a long time. Right, Zach Cassian had an awful year. He was injured for a bunch of it. When he was healthy, I'll be br- brutally honest, Bobby, he wasn't any good, right? He had a lousy year. But that doesn't mean he can't have a good playoffs. So Dave Tippett's gonna give him a chance. He's gonna give him a chance to resurrect this season, to save this season, and to be the Zach Cassian that we all saw in 2017. It's the same guy, he skates just as fast, he hits just as hard. There's no reason he can't be that guy. But I'm going to tell you, the leash is going to be short because he wasn't very good in the bubble last year either, and he got a, he fell off of McDavid's line right away. Devin Shore standing there in the press box, and he's the next viable right winger on that line. Uh, I hope for Zach Cassian's – Sorry, whatever. He'll, he's the guy that fell out of the lineup right. uh, when Cassian came in. I'm just going to say it. Everyone, including Dave Tippett, wants Zach Cassian to be Zach Cassian. And he's going to get that chance to be Zach Cassian, and let's all hope he can be.
0: Well, let's go to a text from Presto, uh, lifetime Oilers fan, longtime listener of the show. Never get in a text. Uh, never got a text on your show, but I keep trying. Is there any word on Cassian? After watching a few games like Boston, Boston, Washington, Pittsburgh Islanders, I'd like your thoughts on the physicality of the playoffs. And do you think the Oilers can compete in games like that? I personally don't think there's any chance against the bigger, heavier, skilled teams. I see guys like Yamamoto and our smaller guys not being very effective. Says Presto. He he adds, I also see teams chipping and chasing uh, against teams uh, with big D-men, and the Oilers at times refuse to chip and chase. Again, another big issue. If we get past uh, Winnipeg, thoughts? Well, I'm glad you said if we get past because I think there seems to be this. I know Edmonton went 7-2 and two against the Jets during the regular season, Mark. Their numbers are close, and I'm going to give you an illustration. Edmonton, Winnipeg averaged three point zero four goals per game. Edmonton was at three point two seven. So the Otter were seventh. The Jets were twelfth. Jets were tenth in the league in goals against two point seven one. Edmonton was eleventh at two point seven five. Oters had the best power play. The Jets were seventh in the league of the power play. Jets were thirteenth in PK. Edmonton was ninth. The shots uh differential. Zero point uh, nine for Winnipeg, and uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, zero point eight shots per game. Faceoff percentage: Winnipeg's thirteen, Edmonton's fourteenth. You see a trend here, folks. The Jets finished with a nine eleven save percentage, Edmonton with a nine ten save percentage. Their numbers, Mark, were close in everything, but the head-to-head matchup between the two teams—it's kind of crazy when you think about it.
1: Well, what's more important, right? How everybody played against Ottawa and Calgary and Vancouver and Montreal and everybody, or how they played head-to-head. You know, if you're telling me I have to study one set of those stats, I want the head-to-head stats. And, you know, like I'm just writing a piece now. I can't, I just can't. Three months ago, Bob, if you had said pick Edmonton versus Winnipeg in the playoff series, I would pick Winnipeg. You know, two and a half months ago, maybe. But after watching what I've watched all year, I just, you know, this isn't a normal year where you play the team four times and those games were, you know, split up by a month and a month and a half. And they played Winnipeg nine times. And, and it seemed like it. Winnipeg got further away from beating Edmonton as the thing went on. They tried Shifley against McDavid. Well, that was a disaster. They did some Lowry against McDavid. That was better. But Lowry's is a 15-minute-a-game player. You know they—they they tried a lot of Morrissey. They tried a lot of Piot. Neither of those guys are the Shea Weber, Edmondson, physical build it takes to to make sure that Connor McDavid is not on the skates, but on the seat of his pants all night. They don't have that guy on their blue light bulb. So. I want to ask you what we learned about the Jets this year. All I learned about the Jets is their best players aren't as good as Eminence's best players. And if I'm Paul Maurice, that's what I'm telling my guys. Shifley, Wheeler, um, Dubois if he plays, Eilers, if he plays, Connor. I'm telling those guys you've got to be better. You know, we're not winning unless you guys are a lot better.
0: Those of us that forget the past are forever condemned to repeat it. Mark, you and me are roughly of the same vintage. We're both in our mid-fifties. We've, you know, we've been privileged to have watched as much hockey over the years as we have. Anybody can beat anybody come playoff time. I remember your infamous line when we did the show on a daily basis together in 2006. You said Detroit and three. And Brownlee and me were the only two guys in town that said the Orders could beat Detroit. And, Mark, it's the only time I've ever gotten one right. But where I'm going with this is there was a lot of separation between those two teams in the regular season. And Edmonton was all wrong for Detroit. I know what the number—the orders have been. Okay. I, okay, want I, Edmonton, I, w- I want Edmonton to beat Winnipeg, make no mistake. I have a healthy respect for the – I think it's going to be a six-game series. I have a healthy respect uh, for the Jets, and they're absolutely capable of winning the playoff series because of playoff hockey, throw it out the windows. Look at last year. Last year Edmonton played Chicago, and I was the guy that was nervous going, going. you know, the Hawks have got Taze, and they got Kane, and they got Keith. Those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. Those guys know how to win. The Oilers were going to play guys. Guys like, uh, you know, Bear, who would never played a playoff game. And Jones, I think, got into three of the four. We'll we'll talk about Cuckoo here in a second. He was playing for the Hawks and just and why Cuckoo's got a chance to play instead of Jones. But, you know, there were moments. And then if you told me, Mark, I'll just I'll just I'll I'll do this. I'm going to put let's say this series gets settled in six games. I'm going to ask the listeners this question, too. You can jump in on the Ashley Pine floors text line. Let's see the series go six games. How many goals for McDavid, Drysdale, and Nugent-Hopkins does Edmonton need to uh to win the series in 6? And what's the save percentage that Edmonton needs to win the series in 6 games? So give me a combined total of goals. Ooh. Oh my goodness. For McDavid, Drysdale, for, for McDavid, Dreis, Seidel, and Nugent-Hopkins are three best offensive players and and then give me a save percentage that the Oilers need to win the series in six. Because I'm saying, you know, I could see Edmonton win it in six. So, formulate in your mind: how many goals do you think they, that, that trio going well, to? I'm going to throw out there the
1: trio. I'm going to throw out in six games. If you play six games, you got to get three a night for your team. So that's 18. So I'm saying that trio has to score 15 goals, and the rest they, of the team has to chuck in five or six.
0: Well, how that gets that? you to, that gets you to 21. In six games. That's three and a half. And and what's the save percentage? Well, you're probably not going to have a 936
1: like Mike Smith had against the Jets this year. But uh, to me, it's relative, Bob. I I mean, what's the Sabre say? It's got to be over 920 to win in the playoffs, in my opinion. But it also depends on the other guy. Like, Smith was 936 against the Jets this year. Hellebuck was like 887 against Edmonton. So I think what I'm going to tell you, Bob, is if Hellebuck doesn't get better, you know, it, it's the same theme with Wheeler and Shafley and all those guys. If Hellebuck doesn't play better, Mike Smith just has to be okay because Hellebuck was very poor this season against Edmonton. So he needs to push Mike Smith to have to be up at 920. And if Hellebuck's sitting at 880, I don't care what Smith does. Edmonton's going
0: to win a series. Mark, last year, if you had told me before the Chicago series that McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent, Hopkins would have combined for 10 goals in four games, I would have said you Edmonton would have won the series. But they got an 869 save percentage in the series. Mike Smith, yeah. got cha- he, gave, he gave up five goals in game one, 18 on 23. Um, You know, Koskinen came in and stopped uh 88 of 99, but gave up 11 goals, took all four losses because of the way losses work for goalies. And, you know, Edmonton lost two one-goal games where they outshot uh Chicago. And really, Corey Crawford only had one good period, the third period of game four. Yeah. And so that... I guess where I'm going with this mark is, you know, when we sit there and look at at these two teams, if I if I throw out there to the listeners, what are you most concerned about from the Oilers? Seriously. And Mark, I'm going to ask you that question. What concerns you the most in the matchup against the Jets? What two or three things need to happen for Edmonton to win this series? Most people would say Mike Smith has to keep playing like he's playing. They would start there. They would start in goaltending and say, Connor Hallibuck, I know he had a down year against Edmonton. I have a theory as to why his shooting percentage or save percentage is lower against the Oilers. But uh uh you know what most fans would say Number one, Mike Smith's gotta keep giving him the standard of goaltending that he gave him this year. If he does that, they got a good chance to win the series. That'd be the number one thing. Mark, I'm gonna guess the number two thing for most fans would say they gotta get support scoring. Yeah. They had none of, they had none of that last year and well actually they Neil and Chason gave them some on the fourth line but they didn't you know forwards four through ten didn't contribute anything at all for Edmonton and I, I'd say Neil and Chason were forwards 11 and 12. you see where I'm going with this like it's it's kind of it's kind of an interesting matchup so you can have production from your guys and still lose a series because that's the way and that's why because Edmonton's not quite a finished product I'd like to get your thoughts on that
1: Oh, hey, who's the finished product yet? Not many teams are. Well, three in a league. Um, you know what? Here's one of our issues, Bob, is because there has been so few playoff appearances, I mean, we've got to go back to 17 for a real playoffs. I take that Chicago series and the whole bubble experience and throw in the garbage. I don't reference that, that those games. I don't think about those games. I don't care who played well and who played lousy. Those games, to me, I think the bubble's proven itself to be the great mirage. You know, Dallas went to the cup. They didn't make the playoffs this year. Vancouver looked great. They were not great this year. Calgary looked real good. They were terrible this year. Winnipeg didn't look good. They're a lot better team this season. Everything got bounced out. Look how good they are this year. I think the bubble is a complete, it's a mirage, man. I don't even, it does nothing for me. So having said that, you know, all the playoff truisms are are still there, Bob. The, if the if you're if you're the Jets, if you can just get a tie among the top six, you're happy with that because you feel like your bottom six is better than Edmonton's, and you're going to get more production out of that bottom six that Edmonton is, and that's that's a fair comparison, you know. So the problem is they haven't shown that they have the tools to win that battle. They haven't. Had, they don't have the tools to keep McDavid from scoring a bunch of points every night. They don't have a defenseman that can handle Connor McDavid. Josh Morrissey's a good defenseman, a really good player. Can't handle McDavid. He's too small, and he's not the right build. Neil Pionk is not the right size of guy. He can't handle McDavid. They don't have a guy back there, Bob. So we can talk about what ifs and all of that. I have to see a Winnipeg team that can figure out how to take away Edmonton's top weapon, and they didn't come within a hundred miles of doing that this season. Ball,
0: I almost like, and you know, I've had this discussion with a couple guys that that I trust that know hockey. and They've not been as big on Morrissey as I've been on Morrissey, and uh, my jaw hit the floor yesterday. I saw, I talked about uh, Moret Atesh from the Athletic and he's out of Winnipeg, and he's a guy that's he can write, and he's got some. That's good. Uh, He's, he's got some upside and Dom Luchician, uh, and, and he's, he's a, he's got a formula. Not everybody agrees with the formula, but he suggested an argument can be made that, uh, Josh Morrissey was one of the most overrated defensemen in, in the NHL. I was like, what? Uh, but this year, just, just so the listeners know this, Connor McDavid outscored, uh, the Jets 9-2 against Morrissey at Evens, uh, at Evens and 6-1 against Piok. Connor McDavid was plus 14 in nine right. games. That's a pretty dominant defenseman, right? The best dominated... two guys. It is interesting, Mark, that you referred to last year's playing series as a mirage, because there's a lot of people that have written a lot of different things about how the Oilers dramatically needed to improve, uh, including their couple of their top guys in a short sample size in a four-game series. Uh, And I'm concerned.
1: That's that's the error, and that's the error here, Bob. Right? The question wasn't that they only had to improve after four games against Chicago. Right, the, the the theme was they had to improve their overall game for all season long, which McDavid and Drysaddle have done. It wasn't just a, uh, McDavid has to be better in the playoffs. No, 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 no. It was McDavid has to win more faceoffs. McDavid has to be better in his own zone. Drysaddle and he have to be better defensive leaders because they play all the time, all year long, not just in the playoffs. Right, and both guys have come out and basically you know ratified that and said exactly what was written back then bob
0: well that's what some people would take out of certain post game comments and those sort of things the reality of the situation you said it yourself the orders are not a uh, complete team and usually when you lose a series in four games it's funny because today uh, the florida panthers are starting Chris Deidre, a guy you and me are going to be watching here, Spec. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. And he's starting today over Sergey Bobrovsky. And I had a, a real smart guy to say to me, you know, Bobrovsky's never been any good in the playoffs. And I'm like, well, didn't he upset the Tampa Bay Lightning after they had a 60-win season two years ago, and he had a 932 save percentage in that series? What do you mean he's never good in the playoffs? He shut down the best team in the league head-to-head. So sometimes when you evaluate things in short sample sizes or in specific years, Mark, there was a piece written by a writer in Toronto yesterday inferring that Sidney Crosby was washed up. I couldn't believe, is he watching Pittsburgh play? Sidney Crosby's still one of the five best players on the planet. And this guy comes off and saying, it's tough to watch Pittsburgh because Crosby, and I was like, what planet, like, are you on planet Zoltar? So people have different angles at times, Mark. We're all allowed to have different perspectives. It's a beautiful
1: Yeah, I tend to wait. It's the players that know, right? Yeah, you know, it's the players that know, and if I'm not here, I uh, listen. I don't even know who wrote that, and I don't even care. Paul it's, it's Kelly, right? Well, whatever. It's not right. It's not. He's not done. <laughs> you know, um, is how many years does Crosby have left? Let's have that debate one day, not two day. But he's still a fantastic player. and He opened the playoffs as a fantastic player against the Islanders here. So. Unless uh, I go to the players, if I start hearing whispers around the league that that from guys who are on the ice that Crosby doesn't have it anymore, mm, you know what? I'm going to start looking for it. I have never heard that. If yeah. I start hearing McDavid and Drysaddle look into the microphone and say our defensive game wasn't good enough, we had to work on it, and I look at their numbers and it's twenty times better, I take that to heart. Those guys know their
0: game, right? They know. And those the, the players know, Bob. You know that. It, it, it's interesting. The goal share mark for McDavid would not support, would not support that he's been dramatically at, at, at evens. Would not support that he's been dramatically better. But the shot share would support it. As with drysettle he's kind of been like a 53 percent Corsi guy. And as you know, because you understand the flawed nature of plus-minus both guys benefited from the trade-off in terms of the amount of uh pluses they got with empty net goals during the course of the season because Edmonton was better at closing out games all right mark I want to bang <laughs> off some text here it's 1254 at Edmonton uh we're gonna continue down the path and uh you're gonna you're gonna be carrying the next uh half hour segment a little bit more so are you up for it you ready to go for it because I'm yeah, ready ask to go some... man all right here we go quick timeout stay with me speck we'll be back at 1257 on orders now Subscribe to the Oilers Now
1: podcast,
0: available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad, Welcome back, everybody. 1256 in Edmonton. will bring Mark Specter back in momentarily. This texter comes in. Bob, if McDavid, Settle, Nurse, and Smith maintain their elite game into the playoffs... But the rest of the team don't elevate to a playoff level like last year. And at the same time Winnipeg does elevate, the Oilers won't move past the bets, uh, past the Jets. Can the team find the next gear or level? Uh, this uh, text comes into us from JP. Bob, it sounds like you're trying to set up disappointment preparation. If the Oilers lose to the Jets, what the heck, man? That one comes to us from JP. Here's what I would say, JP. The regular season is over. We're in the playoffs. For those of you that took post-secondary education, and I'm, most of the listeners were, uh, would. And Mark, I don't know if you had this experience. We'll bring Spec back into the mix here. But when I went from high school to university, I learned very quickly, like in the first term, that the creme de la creme, academically speaking, we're gonna kick my butt for the mo- unless I started to grind. And you know what? I never really did grind at university. But I will tell you that it was a different. You know, I was a decent communicator, I had okay writing skills. I was in English and political science. There were simply smarter and better people than me, so I had to work harder in order to compete. And I didn't learn that until I got into this business and realized if you want to be any good, you better work. And so I'm going to translate that to how the playoffs, the difference between regular season and playoffs. You can have some of the best players, but if everybody's not going full, full bore here, you can lose, even if you're the better, even if you have star players. And in theory, we're the better team in the regular season. Do you buy that or am I out to lunch? No, 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 absolutely. Right. Uh, you can't just, that's what makes
1: having the best players. Uh, it's only an advantage if those guys maintain, you know, of being on top of the roster like, you know, they are in the regular season. Like, listen, there's regular season games when everybody goes out, the, play, the intensity is down, and whoever has the most skill wins the game. There's not many hits. It's not that hard to play. You know, no one's banging, no one's crashing. When you get the playoffs... If the other team does all those things and grinds and, and works and, and there's more hooking and holding, the guys play harder, the intensity is up. If they do it, and your guys come out with the same regular season thing and think, "Hell, we got more skill, we're going to get past these guys." We've watched it 100 times. It doesn't work, you know, the, in hockey in our sport right, work and grinding and intensity and physicality in the playoffs. That's why the playoffs
0: are a different game. So That's that's what you and me that's witnessed. That's what it is. That's what you and me witnessed in 2006 when a vastly superior Detroit team lost to the Oilers because they were all wrong for the Hawks. Anything can happen in the playoffs. We'll continue down that path with Mark Spector off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer,
1: Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.